save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Masterforce Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Masterforce tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Burnley begin the new year under new ownership. It was announced yesterday that U.S. firm ALK Capital has officially acquired a majority share of the club. Alan Pace, who will take over as chairman, applauded manager Sean Dyche and offered him full backing ahead of the January transfer window, which opens tomorrow. Some of the keynotes of the takeover, ALK Capital Sports investment arm Velocity Sports Partners acquired 84% stake in the club. Its managing partner, Alan Pace, replaces Mike Garlick, who will stay as director. There is an air of excitement around the club, and here is what the new chairman had to say about this new era at Burnley. Alan Pace, it's been announced today that uh, you and ALK Capital have become the new owners of Burnley Football Club. This must be a very proud day for you. It is. We are very excited to begin this new journey with the Claret family. Um, this is somewhere that we have you know, looked for a very long time to get involved with. And so this is the culmination of a lot of effort on our part, and we're very excited. And what is it that's attracted you to Burnley Football Club specifically? You know, it's a really good question. We've spent a lot of time looking um, at football and at football clubs. And what attracted specifically to Burnley had a lot to do with the passion of the fans, the quality of the club and the way that it had been managed, uh, the longevity of the coaching staff, and the ability for us to see a path to growth. Sean Dyche, he's obviously done a fantastic job at Burnley Football Club. How much have you admired his work from afar? Look, you know, we have been very, very big fans of Sean for some time, as I mentioned. You know, the, the longevity and stability of the management side has been something that's been very impactful from our perspective of, you know, the playing style and the, the ability to perform at the level that they have. So we're very, very big fans of Sean's. And with that, we welcome you inside the studio. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to 2021. Liam McHugh, Robbie Earl, mm-hmm. it's got to be better. That, By the way, that entire interview with Alan Pace can be seen later on on Goal Zone. But you can really sense it, right? The yeah. excitement, the passion that he has about this new venture. Fans' perspective for Burnley. How excited should they be about this? My New Year's wish to work with Liam McHugh, I get it. Comes through right away. Already 2021. Burnley's fans' New Year wish to have new ownership, they get it on, on New Year's Day. And it's an exciting time. It's a new era for the football club. It's possibly a new chapter being written for the football club. What I like from Alan Pace is all the buzzwords were there. The fans, the quality of the football club, the longevity of the coaching staff, growing this football club. And part of the interview that you'll hear, he also talked about he's committed to it, that he's moving his family to the Burnley area. They want to be part of the community. They want to be part of growing this football club. 
So that all sounds the words I want to hear from new ownership. So he also he says he's a fan of Sean Dyche. Mm. You talk about growing the football club. Transfer window opens tomorrow. What should we see? Don't expect any rash action. Um, Burnley Football Club's been built on good recruitment, great team spirit and work in organisation by a manager who's kept this team 16th when they first come up in the Premier League. He got them to 7th a few seasons ago. That, that's how good Sean Dyche is. And the relationship between him and the ownership is key. But I don't expect them to do anything too rash in this January window. What I will, will think going forward is we'll see a different kind of, of Burnley player. This summer, Chelsea spent $300 million. Burnley spent $1 million on Dale Stevens. So some people are shopping at Harrods. Burnley is shopping in the dollar store. They want to go to the next level and bring better quality into the team. All right, so it's not the dollar store. Mm. In your mind, describe what would a Burnley player be going for? They'll have to have the, retain the same profile of being committed to the team, of working hard, of being part of the organisation. There'll be no what we call big-time Charlies, players who come on in big money and don't want to sort of get their hands dirty. But what I would expect is the same characteristics as we see, but the next level of quality. A centre-forward who can get you double-figure goals. A midfield player with craft and ingenuity that can open things up. Maybe a defender at the next level. Those are the things Sean Dyche will want to take the team to where the fans would hope would be top half of the season and then start to push towards Europe. No team has been hotter in the Premier League since November the 7th. Points, wins, goals, shots on target. Manchester United first in all of those things. And, Robbie, as a result, they are the first team in this Premier League season to reach 10 wins. All right, first day of the new year. Let's talk a little bit of title chase. I know it's, yeah. I know it's early, but do we see all the ingredients necessary for Manchester United? Well, what we see is that Manchester United have gone toe-to-toe with Liverpool. Liverpool are seen as the benchmark, the team to beat this year. And after 16 games, they're toe-to-toe in terms of point. What we've seen from Manchester United, and Jim Begley mentioned it, it's not always been stunning football. It's not always as beautiful on the eye as you'd like, but they're finding a way. Paul Pogba and Eric Bailly were outstanding today, individuals who will add something to, to the group of players. Anthony Martial's goals is important to the team they're going to do again. The scenes when you see Eric Bailly at the end of that game, his teammates yeah. hugging him, the little bit of spirit, the mentality that Ollie's talked about this week, we're starting to see a Manchester United team that I think are starting to believe that they can be part of the conversation. You get that excellence consistently from Bruno Fernandes mm. for... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is the challenge now to get that excellence consistently from Paul Pogba? It's a, great, it's a great question because if you get the best of Paul Pogba, if you see a committed Pogba that we saw today, a focused, a quality individual who can, who can change games, if you can start to get that on a regular basis, the Bayi and Maguire centre-back partnership on a regular basis, now you're talking, now we're talking about a team who should be able to go close. So that's the challenge for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He's got to push the right buttons, he's got to keep the focus and he's got to make sure this team, I thought, played a bit of serious football in, in that second half. They knew, they got a little bit nervous, but they knew what they had to do and they finished with the three Meanwhile, points. Meanwhile, you have to love how you finished. I know you don't get the point, but the, the pressure late. And great energy from this Villa team. We saw it against Chelsea uh, uh, the, last weekend. 1-0 down, second half were excellent. 1-0 down today, pushed in, in the second half, and they'll go away, and, and, and they're six, still top six on the table with a game in hand. It's been a really good first half to the season. Oli, we saw the players' reaction of delight at the end. What's yours for that victory? 
Of course, it's two uh, two extra points. If uh, if we uh, lost, if we concede a goal towards the end, Eric, of course, it's a fantastic block he makes at the end. Uh, to be fair, I, did, I didn't enjoy the last ten minutes that much because I, I think we should have seen the game out in a better way. It seemed like it was a cup final or a last game of the season. So we need to learn how to play out games better when when we're in the lead. We've we've shown that when we're uh, chasing a goal, we've, uh, we're capable of doing that. I can see you sort of analysing it as you're talking about it, but yeah. in many ways, was this not simply a very good victory over a very good team? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm delighted with three points and uh, very happy with the performance, uh, but there's always things that we need to improve on, and uh, it's early on in the season and we, we shouldn't be uh, too carried away uh, with with three points and like it's not it's not a cup final yet but those two points extra they are important you said not getting too carried away and it's early in the season but you are now level with the league leaders on points what does that say well we've improved we are getting better and i think this the league and the season is going to be so tight anyway uh there's going to be different and difficult uh, games there's going to be strange results we've just got to keep working and improving as a team we've done that since uh, well since project restart started i think we've been a very consistent team you've said look, let's wait till march and see where we are until yeah. then yeah. but have you now put yourself in much more of a position to be involved come the shake-up <laughs> yeah every time you win a game of course you uh, you take one step further and uh, it's three points you or in total you just got to accumulate the, the points uh, the first game is just as important as the last game uh, of the season so they all count the same tough game against Burnley of course to come but how's that fixture against Liverpool shaping up now bearing in mind how much you've improved I've not started thinking about that. We've got a big game on Wednesday against City here on, at Old Trafford, so there's so many games you can't think uh, four days ahead, really, because it's just something around the corner. Okay, so he admitted he didn't really enjoy the final minutes mm. of that match, but mm. I think you got to give credit to Aston Villa for that yeah. because they came on strong. The team got a bit nervous as well, I think, about what Yeah, yeah, trying to hang on to those points. Mm. But, well, he's not going to get carried away and talk about the Tyler race. Yeah. Willing to admit how much this team has improved. Mm. Give me one facet of their game that has changed for you. Well, we can get excited about, about the, the team. Um, and I think the balance of the team is, is better. Me and Robbie Musto on a, on a podcast we have been talking recently about how does Ollie get his best players in this system, in, in, in a team that can play in Paul Pogba, as we saw today, as one of his best players. But up until this point, Paul Pogba hasn't really yeah. had a regular starting place because it hasn't quite fit. He's found a way of fitting Pogba and Bruno Fernandes in a team where both can still play with their own individual quality but be part of a team framework and the team have the right balance. A lot of credit has to go down to the manager on that. What I would say, and I want to throw forward now, is that he's, he's saying, you know, that let, let's hold things, the talk at the moment. People like us ain't going to hold things. No. They're joint top with Liverpool, and they're now part of the title race. Now, how do Manchester United handle this is part of the question. Liverpool, Manchester City in recent years. Leicester City, when they were yep. top of the table, all the questions were asked. They handled the pressure. There's going to be a bit of pressure on Manchester United. Well, you have to have leadership with your manager, but you have, mm. also have to have players lead yeah. the way here. Who do you look at? Really interesting point that he, he said in a press article that this week, Juan Mata and Emmanuel Matic are two key guys in that dressing room who are great professionals who are driving the team 
from, from within, who, who know how to win, who've been part of successful dressing rooms. And that's important as well, that you've got good pillars around you, that, you know, the Jordan Hendersons and the James Milners at, at, at Liverpool, the, the Kevin De Bruyne's, Vincent Companies at Man City. There's good people in that dressing room, and, and now it's about we've got standards, we want to maintain the standards, and they want to see how far they can go. Tomorrow's Burnley Fulham match is postponed following additional positive tests within the Fulham club. It's the third Premier League match to be postponed this week due to the virus, which included Fulham's match at Tottenham on Wednesday. Here's some of what the Premier League said regarding tomorrow's now postponed Burnley Fulham match. After the postponement of their match against Tottenham on Wednesday, Fulham's players and staff were immediately retested and reported a further increase in positive COVID-19 cases. Following Fulham's request to rearrange the Burnley fixture, the Premier League's board has taken into consideration further independent medical advice and decided to postpone the match due to the exceptional circumstances of the ongoing outbreak at the club. All right, so going to this one, we're wondering mm. who would dictate play? Would it become a Leeds type game? And after a stretch there in December where Tottenham was trying to find their form, mm. this feels like the blueprint, doesn't it? Yeah, they, they were almost the per perfect opposition, though, for, for, for Tottenham. Leeds provided, what would say, the entertainment in the game. Spurs provided the goals and the points, and that's what Jose's about. You look at Leeds, and, and there's so much to admire about the way they play. There's so much to admire about the aggression, the flowing football, the attacking elements to, to their game. But I'm not one of those, and, and we've had this a little bit, where, you know, Leeds should never change. Leeds have to remember that, that for all the good things that they do, and 70-80% of the game is, is great, you're dealing with world-class players in Youngman Son and Harry Kane. You have to have a tactic to deal with those. And, and, and you know, somewhere along the line, Bielsa's going to have to tweak things a little bit if Leeds are going to get the best out of themselves. There's so much to enjoy. Such, it's been a great addition back to the Premier League, but they can't keep on going every week and making defensive issues like they did today and, and expect to be... I have, have more ambition than, than just staying in the league. The ambition for Tottenham at this point, I mean, they move up. They're at 29 yeah. points. So, you know, for the meantime, that puts them third in the table. Yeah, well, and that will be their aim. I think, you know, I, I've said that they can be contenders. I think that means that Son and Kane have to keep doing what they're doing, um, which is obviously is difficult when you're just relying on two players. But I think what Leeds found today, and they'll find this when they play against the top opposition, is that the top opposition will use their intelligence They've got unselfish runners that will run away from where the ball is, which will create space for, for other teammates. And that's the problem with Leeds. But with Bielsa, he will not change. There's no doubt about it. And he'll probably look at it and go, right, I will adjust as time goes on, but I'm going to get but there's a point, this Dan, season. where if you come in the Premier League, if you're Norwich, if you're other mm. teams, you know, there's so many great parts about Leeds. Yeah. Why shouldn't he not change a little bit? I just don't see him changing, Robbie. I, I saw I'm, it. I know it's the Championship and it's different, but we've seen it in all the countries that he managed, the national teams he's managed, he won't do great, change. Do great coaches not adjust? adapt? Adjust. Yeah. Doesn't Pep? Doesn't, doesn't somewhere... I kind of get a bit, a bit tired of this, oh, the lead shouldn't change, oh, Bielsa's Bielsa. Well, come on, Leeds could be a top-six candidate if they change because they've got enough other elements in the team. I'm, I'm not saying he shouldn't change, yeah. but I'm saying I don't think he will change. I think it's as simple as that. I think what he'll try and do is try and get a better class of player as time goes on mm. that can adjust and can keep playing the system, but I just don't see him changing. Jose, that looked like a very satisfying afternoon for you. Did the game plan work pretty much perfectly? Well, the, the three points, of course, are, are very important. Um, I think by the strategic point of view, we understood well how they could hurt us 
and how we could hurt them. And in that aspect, of course, I'm, I'm happy. I still think that we can and we have to do better. As a, as a, obviously, it was a good team performance with the, the qualifications you've just said, but what a sensational front geo you have, Kane and Sonny. They just work together so well. Of course. The understanding is, uh, is good, and uh, against Leeds was important that mobility in, uh, in attack because they mark man-to-man, and if you stay in static positions, you give them an easy job. Uh, when you have mobility, it's a bit more difficult for them. So uh, that movement of Hurricane appearing on, on the right side and Sonny in the finishing uh, position fit, fit well with, with our game plan. Is there a better duo in the Premier League at the moment right now than Kane and Son? Uh, I think in the Premier League there are many, many good players everywhere. Uh, even, in, even in clubs where uh, sometimes you don't believe they can have great players but in this moment in the Premier League are great players in every in every club but I have I have to say that uh, uh, Sonny and, and Harry they are doing special things this season special things because they've scored 76% of Spurs Premier League goals this season it's a nice problem to have but would you like the, the team to contribute more to that no 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 of course not I want uh, I want goals coming from from other players I want players to feel that they can express themselves and appear in finishing areas uh, today we had Toby but of course was in in a set play but we had other, other players in positions to to score uh, Oyberg uh, Dombele uh, I saw Bergwin we had players from other positions appearing in in finishing positions which is what I want from them Everyone's been saying Leeds are a tricky side to take on, but it was, it was very important for you to win this game today and start the year on the front foot after four no, games. No, when people were saying uh, after we played the considered top six teams, people were saying easier matches are uh, are coming. Uh, I, 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 of course, I don't believe in it. Uh, Leeds is a team capable to to create problems to to anyone. And um, and the next one, Aston Villa, is is my favourite team in the Premier League at the moment. Is a team that I enjoy more. Uh, watch is a team with lots of very good players, of course, very well coached. And this is what is this is what is waiting for us. He just lost the game, obviously, because of COVID. Just wonder what your reaction is to the pictures emerging of some of your players mixing over Christmas. You know, my reaction is I believe that uh, we do everything to keep our players uh, safe. I believe that every club also try to do the same, but we are not in control of 24 hours per day. And um, I think I told you enough. And I told you everything. Thanks, Jose. Thank you. All right, let's start right there because Mm -hmm. COVID-19 has obviously impacted the Mm -hmm. Premier League schedule significantly this week. You can't control all the players off the pitch, whether they have families and people coming, going, coming from school and coming into their home or players just hanging out when they shouldn't be. Mm. If there was a two-week break, are we talking about, and, and that's something they're not concerning, this has to be bubbled. You have to be able to control players at this point. Well, it's you? interesting that Jose Mourinho, all the things he can manage today, he's done brilliantly. He's managed his team. He's managed the way Leeds were going to play. He's got his results and, 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 and he's... Already stretching his players, saying he wants more. 
The things out of his control were the things like we, we're hearing that some of the players apparently got together over Christmas yeah. time. There's a photo of them that they, you know, with, with the COVID going around. That will frustrate him because he wants true professionals to make sure Spurs have every chance of trying to get close to the top mm -hmm. of the table. And what Morgan managers do? You can't. You, you, it's, it's not 24-7. You, you have to have an element and an amount of trust towards your players, and they put all, the, all these things in place when they're at the club, when they're staying at hotels and things like that, preparing for games. But players have to go away and they have to take responsibility themselves. It can't always be the club that has to take responsibility. Yep. And that's exactly what he's saying, and he's absolutely spot on. Um, obviously a very good day on the pitch, but I have to ask, you gave a special gift to Sergio Rebrion for, for Christmas because um, he thought he was going to be on his own. How disappointed are you that he was not on his own at Christmas? An amazing gift. An amazing gift. Um, a Portuguese piglet, which is amazing for Portuguese and Spanish. So I gave him because I was told that he was going to spend Christmas on his own. And um, I had this thought about him. Um, he was not alone, as you could, as you could see. And we club, of course, we feel uh, disappointed because uh, we give the players all the education, we give the players all the conditions, and of course we are not we are not happy. It was uh, was a negative surprise for us. Difficult job under normal circumstances, mm. but you know, it raises the interesting point. Just this idea: they're not in a bubble. No. So you can control what you can control, but once the players leave the facility, they have to take responsibility. And Jose Mourinho, since he's come into English football, is, is, is a, only a great manager, but he's attention to detail. And there's one thing with Jose Mourinho that you have to have if you're going to be a part of his team and have any longevity is trust. He has to trust you, trust you on the pitch, trust you in big moments, trust you to, to stay to the tactics and, and do what you need to do, but also away from the pitch and... and I just think that might affect one or two of the players because this is a guy who is so desperate for success as this football club and he won't allow unprofessionalism, he won't allow those small things to seep into that dressing room. So we'll have to see how that one plays out. On the field, did we see a blueprint here for how Tottenham achieves success considering that you, know, you face a Leeds team that wants to trade with you? Yeah, but I, th I think the, the problem isn't when Spurs come up against Leeds United. Leeds United wants to dominate the ball. They want to dominate possession. The problem is, is when Tottenham are forced to dominate the ball. We've seen it in recent games and it's just trying to get that balance right. You know, if they're playing Leeds every week, Leeds are brilliant to watch, but they'll just go for you and that works in Tottenham's favour. So, they just have to try and get the plan in place more often than not, especially when they're playing the so-called lesser teams, where they are going to dominate the ball. But in Son and Kane, you've got two players that, that can create something from nothing and what makes them both so good is their unselfishness towards each other as well. Son was asked about the idea of adding extra scores or at least mm -hmm. getting some secondary support. What do you think? Of course, you want, you want goals from all areas of your pitch. You want your centre-backs coming up with a few from um, set pieces, the wide players going in as well. But I'm never one of those who's, who worries about relying on goal scorers. You know, Leicester do it with Vardy. Everton do it with Calvert-Lewin. They've got Son and Harry Kane. As long as they keep delivering the goods, we'll do all the rest of the work. You two just keep finishing things off. Oliver, it's another loss here today. Just tell me firstly, how disappointed are you with the way that the team started the match? Yeah, we didn't start great. Obviously, 
conceded a, a poor goal from our point of view. One ball down the side and then a couple of deflections. And, you know, at this moment in time, every deflection or bounce of the ball seems to be going against us. Um, it's more the second goal that kills us, really. 20 seconds to half time and give the second goal away. And we probably thinking if we're going at 1 0, you know, we had the majority of play without really creating too much, but well in the game. And then, you know, we kill ourselves again as, as we've done plenty of times this season. And do the team have the belief that you can stay up? And where do you go from here? Just got to keep believing, um, keep working hard, keep keep plugging away. Um, there's still plenty of football to be played, plenty of points to be played for, but. To be honest, we need a win sooner rather than later, and we need to uh, keep together, stick together as we do, and just keep going. As you digest that, and I realise the game's only just finished, do you still think there's time we can stay up? Well, it all depends on, on the results above us um, and the results that we get. Um, but the longer it goes on, the more difficult it becomes. You know, a win would be uh, very helpful, obviously, and we can see where we go from there. But from every game, it obviously chips away your, your confidence and your belief. And uh, the position that we're in, we, we, we're not enjoying it, and it's you know it's it's not good to to be in and not good to see. Um, but you have to believe that that next game is the one. We believe that we could get something here today, um, but we're not going to get anything. Pat, if if we. The bit in the middle, I always think, I always think we're all right in. I think we've been all right in all season. The bit in the middle, don't decide games. Um, the start has has has, uh, has put us in a bad position. The 30 seconds afterwards, and the opportunities that we have to to create and and try to score, we we don't take. So, as always, the bit in the middle is really irrelevant when it comes to trying to get results and win football matches and we've got to get that right if we stand any chance of um, sticking a run together kind of a hopeless feeling around a team mm -hmm. that finished ninth in the table last year but dan i want to start with you because that graphic that we showed about sheffield united and the history that they're making your derby team from mm -hmm. 2000 2001 on there and you guys actually managed to stay up you didn't get a win that season until november yeah the days and weeks leading up to that. What's it like going to work? It's it's tough because as winning becomes a habit, so does losing and you forget how to win. And the problem is when you look at a team like Sheffield United, they don't score many goals. So more often than not, when they concede the first goal, they think that's it, game over. And it, it it's really discouraging. And what we had at Derby, we had Jim Smith as a manager, he tried to keep everybody going, he changed the system eventually. And the biggest thing was we brought in some new faces, some fresh faces that hadn't been drawn into this negativity. And they, they, were, they were the main reasons, lifted the spirit, and we ended up getting safe, I think, with two games to go. But it's really tough down at the bottom, really tough. Is that what Sheffield United has to look at? Transfer windows open, new faces? It's going to be difficult. You can almost go back to Project Restart last season when Sheffield United's form dipped towards the end of the season and it's never picked up. And you look at some of the solid citizens who they had last season and it's just not happening for them. But you can look at many number of elements and parts of the team that are not working right. Lack of goals is a massive problem. And today there was a nice contract... Eberege Eze came on for Queen's Park Rangers. $26 million, wonderful goal, and has got a bright future. Rian Brewster was bought for $30 million, uh, just over $30 million from Liverpool. Doesn't look like there's a goal in. Confidence is low, so they have spent some money on, on forwards, but they can't find one to score goals. And if you can't score goals, you can't win games.
All right, we've given you two gentlemen about, I don't know, two minutes to digest mm -hmm. what you just saw. <laughs> Final thoughts on this match? <laughs> well, Liam, Owen Otisawi has an awful lot going for him. He's a very, very good footballer. He's modelled on the catwork for Burberry, among other people. But he was sat in the back of that goal, <laughs> just contemplating what might have been. Yeah. Should he have scored at the very end, the last yeah, touch? He should. And he'll, and he'll, as Robbie was saying, he'll live that moment all through the night, you know, middle of the night, I wake up in a cold sweat. The thing is, he was there on a plate. I think it would have been a harder chance than he perhaps would have took it. The fact that it was in the air, it was right in front of the goal, he just put his head at it. Sometimes you just got to let the ball hit your head as opposed to putting that little bit extra on it. He got a little bit underneath it and over the bar, and it was there. The game was there right then. And you have to say, probably... 3-0 was the right result, or, or a draw was the right result, because, you know, game of two halves, as we say. Yeah. Uh, Wolves was superb in the first half, and Brighton came back in the well, second half brilliant. So how did they come back? Well, because they, they the looked system. out of it at half-time. Yeah, they changed the system and went four at the back. Just gave them a little bit of different impetus, the way they got into midfield. They started knocking balls into the front man a bit a bit more, and they got a bit, a bit of luck here and there. But I think Graham Potter changing it then. Then he had a half-time team talk to, to bed it all in with them, and they came out second half. And that penalty after 10 seconds of mm, what he was, second mm. half, was exactly what they needed. But great game of football. No wins in four, uh, Liam, for Wolves. Maybe Diego Costa arrives. That will be something in the transfer window. We'll have to wait and see. But they certainly need to sign a striker in the transfer window. We'll talk to you again tomorrow from Stamford Bridge. Big one. All right, look forward to it. Wolves usually the second-half team, but it was Brighton that came back mm. in the second half. So much to unpack with this game. Let's start with Brighton. What do they take away from this match? I think the fact that they were they were able to come back into the game, you know, they, they had a really good start and then let the lead go, you know, and ended up being 3-1 down. But then I think you've got to give credit to Graham Protter as well because of what he did at half-time. David Proper, I thought he made a, a, a big difference because what you had before was Ben White and Basuma just sitting really, whereas Proper, we know that he can be more advanced, started to ask more questions of the, of the Wolves midfield and that in turn created more space higher up the pitch. So a game of two halves without, without question. I know that it's a cliche, but... I think Graham Potter will be very happy with the way that they reacted. On the other side for Nuno, mm. in control of yeah. this game at half and then to have it slip away. Of course you'll be disappointed you, you, you get 3-1 up and you're in control of the game. It, I was just writing how funny your thing is, momentum, and how hard it is to kind of describe it. When you've got it, things are going well, you're confident, you're in control of the game. A Wolves team technically gifted who are keeping the ball and, and you're thinking, well, this is done. And then the momentum shifts, as Danny said, that penalty just after half-time changes the momentum for Brighton. They go on the ascendancy and all of a sudden Wolves look like they, they're um, losing a little bit of confidence. And then the Otisawi had it right at the end of the chance. But what I would say is I thought that game represented two good coaches, two well-coached teams who probably, as Lee Dixon said, deserve, deserve a point. And you can kind of see in Brighton why, yes, they're, they're a decent team, but they've still got to get a few more points because they played good football, but have only ended up with a draw. Kieran, congratulations. A convincing win to start the year. But I suppose more importantly, it was about continuing from where you left off. Yeah, 100%. Um, wanted to build up wins, build up points, climb up the table. In the last few games, we've done that. Three wins in a row for the first time this season. What do you think has been the turning point? It's just consistent hard work. Um, we've not changed anything for the last three games. We've been working hard every day, like we were in the, the dry spell as well, but it's eventually uh, coming together now. Fortunately, you don't have to play in many games with conditions like this. You, you adapted to it fairly quickly, though. 
Yes, it is what it is. Um, playing in Scotland my full career as well, it's kind of used to that in the, a bit of cold weather, so it hurts nobody. It was a superb uh, goal to break the deadlock for, for yourself. Just to talk us through it, when did you decide to, to go it alone? Uh, the boys are calling it across, <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll need to watch it back. Um, obviously, I'm delighted for the goal, I don't score many, but I'll need to go in and see it again. I say, is it about consistency now? Do you feel like you, you've built a good platform now to build a good run now? It's progression. Um, it isn't going to be, we're going to win every game to the end of the season. It's, it's hard work's going to get us there. As I said, it's build, uh, about building points, getting up the table and just catching the team in front of you. That's all we can look and the next game's always the, next, uh, the most important one. Well done tonight. Cheers. Nice one. Thanks, guys. Right, it was their finest offensive performance, the first time they scored four goals this Premier League season, but you heard Kieran Tierney talking about a progression, a progression about building. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing? What is Arsenal building right now? That's another building block, and I think we talked about what 2021 is going to mean for Arsenal. And for me, for Mikel Arteta, it's trying to win football matches, but working out who are the people that he wants with him. And you see Emil Smith-Rowe, you see Bukayo Saka, they're going to be important parts of things moving forward. Tierney on one side, Bellerin on the other. But I tell you else, it deserves a mention. Like Rob Holding and Pablo Marie at the back. Just bringing a little bit of consistency, not making mistakes, giving them sol- solid to work on from the back. And, and what I hope is we don't see loads of selfies today from mm-hmm. Arsenal players, loads of champagne. Three straight wins is great, but it's a building block to Arsenal getting back to challenging near the top of the table. The, the difference has been with these, the last three Arsenal performances, it's not been on the ball, it's been off the ball. So if you look at the goals today, a lot of the goals were created by unselfish runs off the ball. And that's something that I'm sure Arteta will be delighted about. We know how good they are on the ball. We know the free-flowing football that they can potentially play. But the difference has been, in my opinion, in the last few games, is looking at them, is the unselfish runs off the ball, which has created space for the teammates. And Arteta will be delighted with the response recently. All right, on the other side, you have West Brom. They're in this relegation battle. They get... Sam Allardyce mm-hmm. to save their team to get them out of yeah. the drop zone. Since taking over, mm. are they worse? They're not better. Uh, not much better. And Sam usually goes into a football club and makes things happen. He gets a couple of results. He gets a couple of players on side. He said, and it was interesting, that COVID, you know, social distancing, he's not been able to get the players together as he would like. I think the January window will decide whether this football team stay up. They have to bring bodies in and better quality because what we see here, I don't think Sam keeps this up. For the first time, he'll get relegated with a Premier League team. It's, it's tough. I think when you look at it, when you look at finances, there's a reason that centre-forwards and, and creative players get the most money because it's the hardest thing to do. Defending is a lot easier, but they've not got that right. And Sam Allardyce is a specialist in it, and that would be concerning me if I was Sam Allardyce or if I was a West Brom supporter that... There's been, no, there's been no more solidity or stability within that back line, and that's something Sam Allardyce has got to sort out really quickly. Yeah. Allardyce comes in, and they've surrendered 13 goals during that time, the three losses and just the one draw, and of course they're still in that drop zone. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed.
Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. You know, we heard the guys talking about the potential pressure that Frank Lampard could be feeling right now. Obviously, they spent a lot over mm. the summer. But mm. when you just look purely at their roster, at the players they have, and you compare their talent to the top teams in the league, how does it compare? I think it's comparable. I don't think there's any question about that. But what I would say is that they do have, they have some outstanding players, but they have a lot of players that are very similar. And I think within the Premier League, you're, you're tasked with different problems to solve every week. And I think when you look at Manchester City, they've got players like De Bruyne that can unlock a defence. You've got Foden. I look at this Chelsea team, and they've got they've got so much attacking threat, but they haven't got that person behind necessarily. Obviously, with Ziyech being out injured, that can actually be the assist maker, and that's probably where they're just falling short at the moment. I think if if I'm trying to give uh, an out to Frank, it would be that he's still trying to bed this team in. He's a young manager himself. It's only his second season now in in the Premier League. You talk about the players that he's got. There's a lot in similar places, new to the football club, new to English football. We've still got to find out. Um, but he won't have too, too much time, he'll, and he'll know that. He, he knows the game. He's been in the game a long time. You spend $300 million and have a squad with the quality he's got, then you, you've got to turn things around. But um, as, as, as Danny said, and we were talking earlier, just when he needs to change things, he has to often go, similar type of player coming in, just hope he does a better job. City, we've talked a lot about them defensively, mm-hmm. offensively. So today, did it start to take you back? Yeah, they they were a joy to watch. I think that Chelsea probably gave them a helping hand to a certain extent, the way that they tried to press them, and that that's that's what Manchester City want. They want you to press them. That means they can they can pick you off so quickly because they've got so many intelligent players. But then just going forward, I think what we saw today was a defensive setup from Manchester City that actually benefited them going forward, gave them a platform. Players could get forward and. As Robbie quite rightly said at half-time, there were so many runners off the ball and Chelsea players didn't know which ones to pick up. The rotation of movement meant that Chelsea didn't know where the danger was coming from today and it hit them in all kinds of blind spots and it was great. You talk about attack, I just want to go to one person whose season has changed and has been a big part of Manchester City. That's John Stones, the centre-back, who I thought was done at Manchester City. There were periods when I thought, you know what, this guy's not going to be the player that he looked at at Everton. Just got a little ISO of him today, and this is just a little snapshot of, of what he is and what he's doing. He's become more vocal. He's starting to accept a little bit more responsibility and maturity in making sure his teammates do, do the job. We've said for some time, Vincent Company was a huge influence over this football club. Who's going to come in and, and take that place? Today with Diaz again, they'd be disappointed that they didn't keep a clean sheet. John Stones is just starting to look like the John Stones that we all thought was going to be a great player who moved to this football club. Yeah, I think the responsibility that now rests on him, I think that's a huge thing for him. I personally think he's one of the best defenders in, in England. You know, he should be back in the England squad very soon. But, but as Robbie said, he's had players alongside him. He's had, he's had Vincent companies, he's had Otto Mendes, they're big characters. 
those players aren't there anymore. And I think it's a case of, right, we need someone else to step up. Yep. And I think he's benefited from that and he steps up unbelievably well. Just got well. the feeling today there were spells where that was old Manchester City. That wasn't yeah. pragmatic. Mm. That wasn't holding. No. And there was a great shot of Pep walking off the pitch with Cancelo. And Pep's excited in his coaching. And I just get the feel that... Something's starting to come back at Man City a little bit. There was a buzz, there was a creativity mm. to their attack. Phil Foden was back in the mix, and what an impact he had. First couple of goals, he factors in on both of them, and here's what he had to say moments ago. Phil, was that not just an excellent victory, but Manchester City back to their swaggering best? I believe so, yeah. The first half was um, brilliant, you know, to be three goals up. Um, it's not always easy to go into the second half, three goals up, to play the same way. And you probably could tell the second half we dropped off a bit and let them have it, so... Um, Overall, a great performance, and you don't put us in a bad position now with the games in hand. How long do you think it's been since we saw a performance like that? Well, certainly, was it the best this season? I believe that we played um, good every game, but we just not finished our chances. But um, today, yeah, it was a brilliant performance, and was more, much more clinical in the, in the final third. Was it more than taking your chances? There was there a fluidity, a sharpness about you? Um, yeah, you know, we had that little break from the, from the last game. Maybe that helped us out to have the energy today. Um, but yeah, it was a great performance, and everyone played top today. You more than played your part. How much was the instruction from Pep to attack them on the flanks, get at the full-backs? Yeah, you know, he always has great tactics coming into big games like this. Um, he's a genius at things like this. And, and yeah, as you, could, as you could tell today, we played the right way. And um, we definitely done them staying high and wide and, and down the flank. So it was something that we, we did well. He also seemed to make a point of seeking you out on the final whistle to tell you how well you've done. What does that mean to you? Yeah, you know, it means a lot when you put um, 100% into a game to, to get that, um, you know, a good um, shout off the manager. It feels nice, you know. Um, and yeah, I'm enjoying my football and I, and I just want to keep enjoying it. You're enjoying your football. Are you frustrated you don't start enough? Um, no, you know, I still have a lot to learn. There's quality players here, and, uh, you know, like Riyad Mahrez on the bench today could easily play. So, um, you know, there's quality players at this club, and I just have to keep doing well each time and improving. The team's picked up points of late picking up victories as well but do you think the manner of this victory could ignite a push even further definitely you know it gives you the confidence um, coming here and getting a result how we did um, gives everyone confidence in the change room and we just want to keep pushing now and play like this more often great stuff Phil well played today thank you cheers Let's keep things at Stanford Bridge, bring in our two men who called the match, Arlo and Lee. We were just talking about it here in the studio. This is a Manchester State team that entered today with 18 fewer goals than they had at this point last season. Did it feel to you two like this was a little bit more vintage, a little bit more the Man City of the last few years? Very much so. And for me, Liam, this is the day where Manchester City moved back into the title race. It's so tight up there. A couple of wins either way can do it for you. But City's performance was so mesmeric in that first half. It was back to, to their scintillating best. Um, Phil Foden mentioned there, Lee, that it was difficult going in 3-0 <laughs> up at halftime. I suggest it's more difficult going in 3-0 down. His, his but media <laughs> training's going really well, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> what, what impressed you the most about them today? Um... I think the fact that Pep's uh, tactics, the fact that he, he obviously wanted to try and shake it up a little bit and he put a floating forward line, uh, De Bruyne being in the middle and how the movement just created all sorts of problems for Chelsea at the back. He got that spot on. The energy, the drive, the closing down, the solidity at the back. I mean, Chelsea were toothless against them. That was partly because the back four was so good. 
the movement off the ball is absolutely sensational. So they are back. There's no doubt about that. Mm. And you look at the bench, there's, there's people on the bench raring to get on there as well. They've got a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID problems as well. So Man City are, are not going away. Make sure, make sure that we keep our eye on them because they're mm. not... They, they're down at the moment in the league, but you're just seeing them now starting to just grasp that that top three or four, and I think it won't be long before they're well back in it. Big League Cup semi-final during the week against Manchester United as well for them. Chelsea, four defeats in six. At what point does Frank Lampard and his job come under a little bit of pressure? Well, the pressure's there because he's got uh, an owner that's got a history of sacking managers. That He's also spent $300 million. Uh, the team's not firing if he keeps losing games, he'll lose his job. That's a fact. I think it would be harsh, and I think he's got a long way to go before that happens. But he's got to find the blend, he's got to find the balance, and he's got to find it quickly. And when you look down at those players, some of them don't look as if they really know what to do next. And that's a problem for Frank, mm. who's not got a lot of experience to fall back on. Yeah, no goals in nine Premier League games, Liam, now for Timo Werner. And you've got the sense here today that these are two big Premier League clubs just at the moment heading in different directions. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right, Arlo and Lee, obviously it's a team that spent a lot of money and they were just talking about Frank Lampard and the, the news. It moves mm. rather quickly because The Athletic right now reporting that Frank Lampard's job is under serious threat and that they've already begun to explore replacements. Mm. Your response to that at this point, one game into this new year. Part of me is surprised. It seems a bit early. It seems a bit premature from where you are. If you're going to believe in a manager giving $300 million to spend, you kind of think you'd like to see him out. But this is Chelsea Football Club, and that surprises me not at all. An ownership group that's rotated managers and continued to win silverware. A football club that's always in the news, that things are always leaking out. And being a capital club and know it well, used to go there to, to, to watch many games and see training, etc. Um... Frank will, will start to feel the pressure. If, if this wasn't a club legend, mm. a young manager, if this was just an established manager who maybe didn't have the ties to the club, would he be feeling this type of pressure? I would hope not. I would hope not because last season, for me, they overachieved. Finishing in the top four, weren't able to bring players in, lost arguably their best player. No, they did lose their best player in Hazard. You know, and did incredibly well. This summer he's gone out and he's spent a lot of money. We all know that. So the pressure does does get bigger and bigger. But there's all different sides, types of situations. Players take time to adjust. Players, you know, families settling and everything. For him to be under pressure after he's just spent that amount of money, in my opinion, is absolutely ridiculous. But that's the way of football. Well, he's <clears throat> under some kind of pressure yeah, either way. There's no doubt. Can and, he turn this around? And, and being a legend and the, the, the games he's had and, and what he's played... I look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and he, people were saying, you know, he's not the right man for, for Manchester United. Frank Lampard now is starting to fall in that category. They are seven points behind, a game more than, than the top teams. That could be a ten-point gap at this age, stage of the season. That in itself puts him under pressure. It's a team with a lot of talent. It's a team that was outclassed certainly in the first half of today's match. They lost 3-1. Here's Christian Pulisic. Uh, Christian, what was the most frustrating part of that display for you guys? Uh, obviously just the first half, uh, the way that we conceded goals um, through a lot of counter situations and just the, yeah, just weren't prepared to, to, to stop that and uh, yeah, the first half just uh, really just let us down. The second half there was a big improvement but it's, it's a big job against a team like Manchester City when they're at their best. 
yeah, obviously we're never going to give up. Uh, it's not easy to come back from three goals, but it's happened before. So we gave it everything and uh, able to get one back, but just too little too late. It's one win in six, Christian. I don't, you don't need reminding of that, but given the, the recent results and, and the performance, particularly in the first half, how, how damaging, how worrying is that for Chelsea at the moment? It's tough. We're in a tough period right now. I mean, it's going to happen to everyone. At times, we've been in these situations before. And, uh, yeah, we have another situation next week where we just have to turn it around because we do need to start getting results quickly. Is that easier said than done? I mean, what, what needs to change? It's so difficult to put your finger on it after it a game like that and so soon after a game yeah of course I'm not going to say you know exactly what, what we need to do you know right now I'm going to watch the game back and, and, and we're going to you know look at it as a team and try to see what we can improve on so um, it's not going to be easy but uh, yeah we, uh, we need to show character now thank you Christian Chase. thank you Frank obviously not what you were looking for just how chastening experience was that first half in particular well, it was because for 10 minutes we were good. I'm not claiming that because that's just the reality of the game. Then they started to play and then we can see two poor goals, two really poor goals, back-to-back -back in the game. And I felt it knocked us and I felt we didn't react as well as I want to. Against City, you have to accept periods of possession for them. That's what they do. And the chance they might score a goal. So we didn't react well to that. We knew they would play without a real striker, so we had to make sure that space wasn't there. We allowed the space for De Bruyne to get into the game and, and Silver and Gundogan when he gets the, the opportunity to shoot for the first one. So, yeah, serious lessons in the first half. Good character in the second half, but the game was done. How much was the split? How good they were and how off the pace you were? Um, a fair split because, well, I think that the level of play, you're talking De Bruyne, he was here, I, I know he was here when he was a kid and couldn't get in. Credit to him, went away and came back and now you've primed Kevin De Bruyne. And you can go through their team and talk about that. And the reality for, is for us and it's why when I spoke earlier in the season, everyone was my month ago saying we can win the league or outside we can win the league. I was pretty sure on the fact that where we're at in terms of a rebuild, in terms of the ban, in terms of new players in the team, in terms of the youth, that there are periods of pain we're going to go through as a club and as individuals. That was painful first half for the players, I know that. They've got to get better at receiving the ball in tight areas. They've got to understand when a press comes, you're going to have to accept it or miss the press out. Um, when a team gives you a problem on the pitch that we talk about before the game, has to be dealt with in game. And in the first half we didn't, in the second half we were better, but it was done. You were angry after the Arsenal defeat. Is it not the same emotion? Today? No, it's not. There was the first half against Arsenal was lethargic, and I didn't understand it. Today, I understand that the players had a real problem in the first half on pitch because City was showing real personality and quality on the ball, and we showed it for ten minutes. Control, control. And when the game turns, that's when you get tested and you have to react in the game. I'm not, I'm not leaning on the youth or um, because I think some of the younger players really came to the fore. I thought Mason Mount showed second half. Billy Gilmore showed. He came on, Callum comes on and gets his goal. So this is not about the youth of our squad being the issue. It's just a reality of, as I said before, we will have to go through. At the minute, we're in a little period, a five, six-game period that, that none of us like. I think if you probably go back to the first year of City in this regime or Liverpool, there are periods of pain. You have to fight through that, and that comes with reviewing this game, looking at how we can be better as we go on. Are days like today, though, demoralising? Well, if you've been in football this long, I said to the players at half-time, I sat there and, and had those days. I sat there and had those days and lifted a trophy at the end of the year. I remember getting beaten at Middlesbrough 2 or 3-0, Viduka and Yakubu up front, and we were sat in the dressing room pretty demoralised, and we bounced back because we had a spirit in the dressing room, we had a quality of player, and this is we're in a different period now, but any player in football is going to have moments like that. Some of the results we've seen this season for other teams, Man City, Liverpool, etc., 
have been harsh for them. Now, because we're in a bit of a period, it becomes even harsher for us. I won't hide away from that, but the, the, the players, myself, have to take it on the chin and, and react. This is football. Do you think you've got the character, the personnel here to get out of this patch? Oh, without a doubt, we have that. Without a doubt, because we went 16 games unbeaten, and you don't become a month ago. Everyone's asking me about where we can go to. Where am I going to go? When's a new contract? Now people will be saying the opposite. That's I can't control that, or we can't control that. What we can, can, can control is what we do tonight and tomorrow and the next day, and what we do against Malcolm and what we do against Fulham. Um, and then I have belief in the group. So I hope this doesn't sound like I'm I'm criticising players. I'll be the first to look at myself today. But when I look at the squad, I know that there is uplift in this team. But I know where we're at because I see it, and I know the work it takes to be at the level that Manchester City churned out today. Because that's been a lot of years in the making. A lot of players, as I say, playing in the prime of their careers, showing confidence and character. It's normal that as a squad we take little knocks along the way. Now's a, now's a test. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. You know, when he references those low points and battling through them, mm. it kind of echoes some of the sentiments mm. you mentioned about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mm-hmm. and Manchester United. But I am curious about one thing. They brought him back to the Arsenal match, which he considered the worst half of football, and he said yeah. he was angry after yeah. that because the team was just lethargic. That wasn't the case this time. Mm. Now, if they weren't lethargic and that occurred <clears> in the first half, Maybe not angry, but wouldn't you be more concerned in a way? There's got to be some concern. And, and looking in from the outside, um, I would be a bit concerned that in two big games, your London derby against Arsenal and you've got this huge game against City, when your big players, you want them to grow, you want them to be ready, you want the, the intensity and the nervousness of a game to get the best out of you. It's kind of gone the other way. Now, you make some good points, and I thought you spoke really well and honestly. This group's still learning. This does group's still growing. But again, you spend $300 million on a group of players, you're going to have pressure. They finished fourth in the table last season. Champions League football will be a minimum ask of, of this squad. And you've got a lot of players in there who are not particularly playing well. Havertz yep. on the bench not playing. Timo Werner looks half the player that, that he was before. N'Golo Kante, who's been like the regular guy who doesn't quite look on his game. Those are the little worrying things that, as I look in from outside. So, yeah, go ahead. One, one of the things I would say is that the book will always stop with the manager. It's the manager that ends up losing the job at, at, at some point. And I hope that it's not the situation for Frank Lampard. I think he deserves time. Yes, he's spent money in bringing players in. But what I would say is that all week you can work on a game plan. But throughout a game, I'm sure Robbie's been there. I've been there plenty of times myself. You go on the pitch, you see the game turning. You see a direction that the game's going into. And you have to have game management as a player. Because sometimes a manager can't do it all. And I just think at times when things start to go against Chelsea, the players just carried on regardless at certain times instead of saying... You need strong characters as well. You need a couple of people in your dressing room who go, hold on, we're having a real time here. Sit in, block off and do things. And he talked about it as his Chelsea team. They Mm. had bad moments, he said, in Middlesbrough and they came through it. His team now got to find a way to come through it as well. Yeah, again, that report that just came out from The Athletic that Frank Lampard's job is... Apparently under serious threat that they begin to explore other options. That may be the headline right now, which is interesting because the headline going into today was all about Manchester City and dealing with COVID-19 concerns. Six players were unavailable because of COVID-19 protocols. So limited the options of Pep Guardiola still. They go out, they get the win. Here's what he had to say. Congratulations, that was an absolutely fantastic display. Uh, three yeah. ones, the least you deserved, actually. Yeah, we played really well. Uh... Unfortunately, the last goal, but uh, of course the result is fantastic. Here in Stamford Bridge, winning, but especially the way we played. That uh, today we back like we were uh, two seasons ago, three seasons ago. So 
and the commitment for all the players. So yeah, we play really good, really well. So satisfied to an important, an important win in against Chelsea away. Um, I, all three goals were very enjoyable, but I thought Phil Foden's finish was absolutely special. Yeah, Phil is incredible work ethic, and uh, he can play in several positions. He's a winger. He's a He's a guy, his ability and uh, help us in the middle to, to our comebacks. Yeah, he made uh, all of them, not just Phil, all of them, they, they, were, they were brilliant. It's, it, it's obvious this season that it'll be a much lower points total to actually win the Premier League. Um, playing like that, you are gonna, you're going to take a lot of points over the coming games. Well, today's the first day that people say that. So far, nobody, we, are, we were not contending. It doesn't matter. So, like you said, uh, uh, like you said, the, the Premier League is weird for everything. Look, this stadium without people, and uh, we have nine players positive in our group. So, this everything is, is weird. It's just to be focused during the game. The rest, the guys have to relax. Don't think much. The backroom staff prepare the games, but they have to to be calm and 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 make the effort. And I think what I said. Hopefully in the Premier League we can be the last six, seven, eight games being there to fight for the Premier League at the end. But uh, I'm pretty sure the people, our people will be so proud for the way we play today. Can I just clarify something you said there? You have nine players testing positive no, now at this Six state? or seven and backroom staff two or three, yeah. Okay. And finally, I have to ask you about Benjamin Mendy. Obviously, all footballers need to make sure that they set the right example and do the right thing. And, and a few footballers haven't yeah. over the Christmas period. Yeah, that's true. But don't, don't ask to the players make an example because you put, you know, a lot of responsibility in the shoulders to the other one. If, you, if everyone for ourselves take our own responsibility without judge the others, it's easy to say what the other has to do when sometimes most of the families there were six, seven players. So people there. Of course, you're going to do it. It was with the Nancy family, girlfriend. They come a cooker to cook for the New Year's Eve, and it was a, a couple of friends of his girlfriend. Of course, you know, they had to do it. Uh, I don't understand why the journalists are there in the home, you know, spying him. But uh, Benjamin is an incredible, nice person. Sometimes has understand in which world has to be, has to live. I said many times, forget about Instagram, forget about it, Twitter. Focus on what you have to do playing football in your private life. Is it, your life is your life. You don't have to show what you have to do. But he's an incredible person. He's a, one of the biggest hearts that we have in the locker room. Always want to help. And hopefully, this a little disturbing can help him to know how to settle again and to, to do what you have to do. Yeah, so they are blanked. Ralph Hasenbrunn, clearly emotional after this one. The first win versus Liverpool in nearly five years, March of 2016. So Liverpool, you saw the Sadio Mane attempt yeah. there in the 75th minute. That was their first shot on target in the game for Liverpool. Longest they'd gone in a Premier League match without a shot on target in over five years. They created the chances. Mm -hmm. Are they all quality chances? What, what did you see from, from this one from Liverpool? I think if you go back to a Newcastle game where they drew 0-0, they have got themselves into some good positions, creating good chances, good opportunities. The difference is, and I'll go back to what I, start, what I said at the start of the show, the lack of fans is making Liverpool struggle away from home. Because I know for a fact, I've been in situations before where I've played against the top teams and maybe you get ahead. Mm -hmm. Fans don't let you sit back. Fans will not let you sit back. They think, well, if you've got one goal against the top teams, you can go and get a second, you can go and get a third. 
Very different now, though, without supporters. Southampton can play the way that they want to play, and I think there's an understanding from Southampton supporters now that they want to build from the back, they want to be patient, they want to soak up pressure and then play on the counter-attack. And I think when we look at Liverpool, when we look at the chances that they've created today, and it might just be the final touch where it's just a heavy touch. It might be the final ball into the box. The reason that is happening, it's not because the players have got worse overnight, mm. it's because there's more pressure on, more pressure around them now because teams are sitting so compact against this Liverpool team and they're struggling because of it and that's why some of the so-called lesser teams are getting more favourable results against the likes of Liverpool at home. Southampton now up to sixth in the yeah. table. You saw how much this meant to, to Ralph there. Oh, this has been a great start to the season for Southampton. Absolutely brilliant. I'm delighted for them as well because you go back well over a year now when they got beat by Leicester, 9-0. Everybody thought, that's the end, Hassan Hull's finished. They've had to be patient, the fans, but they've seen the, what the project is. They're seeing that, you know, at Leipzig, he played a 4-2-2-2. He didn't play that here at first because he didn't have the plays. He played three at the back. Now he's got a centre-back partnership that he trusts and the players understand where he's coming from and it's working brilliantly. And Southampton is a prime example of patience and what it can give you. Jürgen, apart from the result, what was the most frustrating part of tonight for you? Oh. <laughs> How long do we have time? Um... The start, obviously, um, not only the goal, but the start in general. So it's the good thing. First of all, congratulations, Southampton. They deserved it. Um, um, the good, but the good thing about Southampton, you know it, exactly what you get. So it's not you can, you actually cannot be surprised. But we looked surprised still, um, and that was, of course, the, in the beginning, just how we how we played football, how we um, brought ourselves in, in, in struggles, where we lost the balls. How I said, credit to, to Southampton, they do really well, but it's still not rocket science, it's only football. And we should have done much better in these moments, just passing-wise, because if you break a, this kind of pressing, then it's, a, it's kind of a risk, actually, because they invest a lot in these moments. If you can pass through and that's possible, um, then... It's um, they run a lot for without any without getting anything and so we played in their hands with the start then one nil yeah and then um, they put a lot of um, a lot of work in we as well but then our decision making was then just not good and that is how it is when you don't have the momentum. Um, then decision making is really important, even more important, because you really think about things. You, you saw situations where we were outstanding, how we came through, to touch line, stuff like this. Then didn't do the right movements. We're not free in the box. We're not exactly there. So we should have had much more chances with the football we played then, but we didn't have enough chances really, so like big chances, and that's it. Ralph, congratulations. Thank we you. all saw you sink to your knees on the final whistle. Sum up your emotions for us at that moment, please. Yeah, I mean, I've never taken a point against Jürgen so far. So uh, I, I think I start believing that we can do it in the 92nd minute, not earlier, because you never know they are so strong in front and you always uh, believe that uh, it can have something happen. But... Uh, the way we defended today was was amazing. Uh, I think uh, the effort the guys put in, everybody was was the key of winning. The, the mentality was 
maybe even better than this from the, from a, from this mentality monster team. So it was it was absolutely the perfect day for us, a perfect evening for all the Southampton fans out there, and for us also a, a, an important uh, important step forward. I think you were kicking every ball yourself out there, weren't you tonight? Yeah, I mean we. We had uh, so many injuries now uh, since yesterday, and we we bring in uh, I think uh, the whole academy today, and and still compete against such a team. I'm very happy for the guys in front; they did a good job today, also. And again, a clean sheet. I think the system works. We had to have a perfect game plan today, and luck. Yeah, without luck against such a team. I think uh, you cannot win, and we had it today. I think this is a special in football that some some moments are coming like this, and and yeah, this makes it so special for us. How pleased were you to see Danny get back among the goals and with a goal of that quality? Yeah, it was amazing. I think we had looked on our on the high line they have in set pieces and in, in, in free kicks from the side uh, to come in behind is the only way to to caused him some threats and, and I think he had a good run and, and, and a perfect finish. Yeah, this is the quality he has and, and after this uh, I'm always working hard for the team but uh, um, it's important that he's fit and he's back because he makes the goals. You still see the emotion in your eyes no, to this some is the extent. Wind, definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so cold your, here inside. That's your excuse. It's not, yes. it's not my. It's not the emotion. <laughs> On the subject of emotion, you lost Gineppo in the first oh, yeah. half, and when he came off, he he too he looked pretty upset. What did you yeah. say to him? Yeah, I mean, uh, he had a bad injury history with his muscles, and still um, again. Uh, um, maybe a pushback, but uh, I said to him, head up, uh, you will come back stronger and immediately try to, to give him a lift. It was a good 2020, wasn't it, for Southampton? How yes. good a start is this to 2021? <laughs> a perfect one, definitely. Uh, nobody expected to, 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 to take points against them today. Uh, yeah, we have 29, I think. It's, yeah. <laughs> We're going to go away and, and now let's keep on going. I'm so proud of the team tonight. Is this your proudest moment at Southampton so far? Yeah, we had a few other good wins also, but today nobody uh, expected it. You can never expect it to win against such a team, but the way we played, I think, is, is uh, I'm very happy that they get the benefit for the hard work they do and they get the benefit for all the effort they put in, in, in learning new things, in learning to get better, in, in playing better football, and, and you can see that you can develop every team and every player, and, and this is why what we are trying here all the day, and, and, and uh, when you have such results that, that is more worth than the three points because because uh, that gives the belief of what we're doing well done tonight thanks a lot thank you so really cool to see so emotional has played Jurgen Klopp now as manager five times first time you mentioned there that he's he's earned points against him he got the full three and you mentioned it as well who Southampton did not have in this game makes it even more impressive it's it's the fact of yes the plays that they missed but the areas that it's the spine of the team you look McCarthy out, top goalkeeper. Vestergaard, arguably the best centre-back this season. Romeu, one of the best defensive midfielders in the league, been in outstanding form. And then Adam, Adams up front. That's part of the spine of your team. When you lose that, then you still get this result. That's the emotions from Hassan Hurtle. He's so proud of his players, proud of everyone at the football club. And and he's had, he's had patience from people. Mm. And look what happens when you're given that patience. And it's wonderful to see the outpouring of emotions. There's so many mixed feelings, I'm sure, going through. There's something special building there. And it's not just what's happening on the pitch. He's been really focused on building a culture throughout the academy and kind of just a, a way of playing South yeah. football. Well, when he first joined the club, 
what he did, he sat down with all the players individually and went through clips from the previous times when they played before he was manager and said, listen, this is good, this is bad, this is indifferent, this is what I want from you. And I remember at the time, I think it was Bertrand that had had, um, was in hospital, I think he'd had an operation at the time. He sent him a DVD and got him to watch the DVD. So you can tell this is something that's been worked on, but he hasn't necessarily had the players or a, um, a back two that he's been able to rely on. So he played a back three for a long time. Um, wing backs that weren't naturally wing backs, but now the players understand where he's coming from. He now plays the 4 2 2 2 or the 4 4 2, which is what he did at Leipzig, and it's working unbelievably well. When Liverpool gets on the pitch next time and they play Manchester United, which is the better side right now, in your eyes, Manchester United if, or Liverpool? If we're talking about the here and now, it has to be Manchester United. You look at the form that they're in. You know, I think what will be interesting is when United play against Burnley, they have the opportunity to go top. All of a sudden, the pressure then falls on, on United. But if you're asking me at the moment who's the best team, United are the best performing team out of the two at the moment, and it promises to be a huge game. And people will talk about rivalry in the Premier League. I've mentioned about United and Leeds. This is the biggest rivalry in the Premier League. United and Liverpool, no love lost over the years. And to see, to see a potential you know, battle, for the, battle for the title between those two and obviously other teams as well, it's fascinating. Not a great run for Liverpool here, but we are kind of comparing them to last year, which was historic for them. And, and that, that's the problem. That's why when you listen to, to players and managers that have won leagues before, they always say, not necessarily, the, the easiest thing is to win the league, yeah. then it's to try and retain it. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7am Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.